Amen. Wonderful singing. It's so wonderful to be together this morning. It's great to see you. Those of you who are members as well as our visitors and those online, and we are thankful to have this special day to assemble together and worship, but also to celebrate our graduating seniors. Have you ever faced a challenge in your life where you felt the pressure that made it hard to totally trust in God? The pressure was on and you were troubled with being able to totally be able to trust in God in that moment. The situation was difficult, things were uncertain, and you found it hard to put your total trust in God. Have you ever been faced with a situation like that? Maybe it was peer pressure, maybe it was a new circumstance, maybe it was a, a tragedy, maybe it was something you didn't know how things were going to turn out, and you were challenged in your trust in God. For those of you about to graduate, you're going to face new seasons in your life, new levels of challenges where you're going to be faced with things that you haven't experienced before, and you're going to be faced with the decision, do I totally trust in God, or do I bow down to the gods of this world and do like culture says, or like the world says, and go with the flow of the things that the world does. You'll be faced with new challenges that will challenge your trust and your faith and your devotion to God. All of us face those situations. And that's what we see today in the story of Daniel, in chapter 6 of Daniel, where we look at probably one of the most well-known stories in the whole Bible, Daniel and, and the lion's den. Children, you know this one well, and we're going to look at that famous story of Daniel and the lion's den. At this point, King Nebuchadnezzar, which we've mentioned several times so far in this series, King Nebuchadnezzar has already passed away. Set my clock here. That clock is wrong. <laughs> so I better do this. King Nebuchadnezzar has already passed away. He's no longer king. In fact, there's been three kings after him before King Belshazzar in chapter 5 where we get the story of the handwriting on the wall. And that's where Daniel interprets the handwriting and that vision and what's happening there. And he's telling the king that your kingdom is coming to an end. King Belshazzar will end up being the last king of Babylon. He, Babylon will be uh, conquered by Cyrus, the king of Persia. And in chapter 6, what we find is that King Darius has been put over Babylon underneath the king, of Cy king Cyrus, the king of Persia. So King Darius is in charge of Babylon. Daniel and his people have been uh, taken from their homeland as captives and exiles in Babylon. They've been brought into a foreign culture with foreign beliefs and foreign gods and foreign customs. And now that people has been conquered and it's ruled by another people with new laws, new customs, new beliefs. And you can imagine how Daniel and his fellow Jewish people feel in this situation. But what we find is that Daniel never stopped 
growing in his faith. He never stopped trusting in God. In fact, we now find him in chapter 6. He's no longer a young man. He's about 80 years old. And he has only grown in his strength of his faith and in his trust in God. Now as an older man. And yet he's about to face new challenges and new pressures in his life. And he's faced with, do I totally trust in God or do I trust in the things of this world that I see? Am I going to bow down? So at this point in chapter 6, we find that Daniel continues to excel and succeed in his work. He's faithful. He's a hard worker. He's a man of integrity. God has blessed him with special knowledge and, and skills. But he's also just a hard worker. He's a good work ethic, which is something Christians ought to be known for. And, and King Darius appoints Daniel and two others as administrators over 120 satraps, which they are essentially tax collectors to bring in money for the king's treasury. And Daniel and the two other administrators or presidents, the ESV calls them, or like commissioners, they've been set over those 120 uh, folks to make sure they're honest and all the money flows into the king. And so Daniel was so good at his job that King Darius was going to appoint him over all of the kingdom. He was about to get a promotion. Even at 80 years old, he still worked hard and did a good job, and God blessed him in his work. But what happened as soon as his promotion was announced? All of a sudden, the co-workers got jealous, right? They didn't think Daniel should be getting that promotion. Who was he? Who does he think he is? Why does the king favor him? Why is it that he gets to get that promotion? And it should have been me. It should have been you. We don't want Daniel. We know the God he worships. He's going to make us do things the right way. He's going to be honest. And we're not going to be able to skim off the top and do things the way we want to do them. And so what do they do? They don't just set out to uh, uh, get him uh, fired or not promoted. They set out to kill him. That's their plan. But they know that Daniel's a man of integrity and honesty and hard work and that he's not going to do anything wrong. And so they know they can't trap him on anything like that. So what do they do? They know the only way to get Daniel has got to be when it comes to a conflict between his faith and the law of the land, they're going to have to find a problem with his faith, where there's a conflict, a crossroads between his faith and the law. And so that's exactly what they do. They play up to the king's ego and desire to be worshipped. They play up to King Darius, and they devise a scheme to be able to tr catch Daniel. So they tricked the king. Look at verses 6 and 7 of Daniel chapter 6. They go to the king and they, they, uh, they tell us, the Bible tells us that the two other presidents or administrators and the satraps, they go to the king and they start praising him. And they say, oh, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps and counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes a petition to any god or man for 30 days, except you, O wonderful king, shall be cast into the den 
of lions. The first thing they did after they devised this plan was they lied to the king. Did you catch that? Look at verse number 6. All the presidents and prefects and satraps and counselors and governors, everybody thinks this is a wonderful idea. Oh, wonderful, majestic king. You see their lie? They lied. You ever heard somebody do that? They're saying everybody thinks We all think you ought to do this. Everybody's going along with it. You'll be the only one. You ever heard that before? And so that's what they do to the king, and he just buys into it because they're pumping up his ego, and he's like, well, hey, sure, I'll be God and worshiped for a month. That sounds great to me. Why haven't y'all thought of this before? And so he goes for it. But what does he do? He signs it into law. And there will be punishment for those that break the law. Now, this isn't King Nebuchadnezzar where he was all-powerful and he could change the law if he wanted. And that's, that's part of the problem. And they knew that. They were scheming here. They knew that this was the law of the Medes and the Persians. So once he wrote this law, he wasn't going to be able to change it. It was set in stone. And even though he was king of Babylon, there was nothing he was going to be able to do about it. And so their plan... Uh, worked, and they had everything set. They had the trap set. What did Daniel do, though, when he heard of the plan? Well, we know what he did. He said, oh, my goodness. Well, I've got to be able to navigate through the, the waters of culture, right, and the politics of the workplace. And so for the next month, I'm just going to have to lay low in my faith. I'm just not going to practice my faith publicly. I'm just not going to talk about God. I'm just going to have to be really, really secret and private about things, and God will understand. And once, once things blow over, it'll be, it'll be fine, right? Isn't that what he did? No, children, you know, that's not what Daniel did. What did Daniel do? He said, you can change the law, but you won't change my faith. Nothing about my faith is changing, no matter what the policies are, no matter what culture says, no matter what the boss says, no matter what the law says, no matter what everybody else says and does, I ain't changing my faith. Nothing about me is going to change. And this was a man of great position, of high position. So his faith was very noticeable. It, when, it, it, this wasn't just a peasant who lived out in the country, who no one noticed, a farmer. This was Daniel, who was about to be promoted over the whole kingdom of Babylon. His faith was very evident. He didn't hide his faith. And so verse 10 tells us, he went up to his house where he had a window in his upper chamber, open toward Jerusalem. That was their custom, Jewish custom, pray towards Jerusalem. He did this three times a day. That upper chamber could have been used as a guest room, a prayer room, a room for having uh, some, you know, a guest spend the night or fellowship or anything like that. And that's where he went up there to pray opening the window towards Jerusalem to pray three times a day. And he said, you can change the laws, but you ain't changing my faith. So he said, nothing's changing about my faith. I'm going to continue to practice my faith in God no matter what. And that's exactly what he did. And so we see that he got down on his knees in verse 10 three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done 
previously. He didn't let anything change who he was or his faith in God. And so look at verses 11 through 13. The same ones who had set the trap, who were out to get Daniel, they were somewhere watching where they could see. They knew he prayed there three times a day. And they got in the building next door or somewhere, some way where they could see him practice his faith. And, of course, they didn't have social media to live stream it. They didn't have photos that they could take and text out to the king. But they were there waiting and watching. And they saw him get down on his knees and pray. They saw him not change in his faith in God. And so what did they do? They ran with their little tattletales over to the king. And they said, oh, wonderful, majestic, glorious king. Uh, By the way, do you remember that law that you signed that uh, allows us to worship you uh, for a whole month? Well, Well, guess what? Guess who's disobeying you? Oh, wonderful king. And they tell on Daniel. They tattletale on Daniel. But this wasn't telling on someone who's done something really wrong where you need to tell him, this is telling on him because they want him taken out. They don't just want him fired. They don't want him demoted. They want him dead. That's what they want. And their plan is working. And so they tell the king. And what does the king do? Verses 14 through 15 tell us King Darius is deeply troubled. Why? Because the king had obviously an appreciation for Daniel, a respect for him. There was was some kind of professional appreciation and relationship developing there. Why? Because Daniel was a man of integrity. Daniel was the kind of employee you wanted. Daniel was a godly, good man. And that means the king could trust him and count on him. And he wouldn't compromise what was right. He would do his job well. And Darius... Uh, was troubled, deeply bothered by this when he found out it was Daniel who had violated the law. Perhaps he knew, oh my goodness, I've been tricked. I've been fooled. And he realized what had happened. But what does he do? They remind him, oh, don't, king, don't forget. You can't change the law. There's nothing you can do about it. You have to follow through with it. And so for the rest of the day into the night, The king couldn't even sleep. In fact, he was figuring out a way to try to get Daniel out of this. But he knew legally he couldn't. He was bound by the law that he had signed himself. So in verse 16, we see that King Darius had Daniel brought before him. And he did what he had to do, what he was legally bound to do. He threw him in the lion's den. But what did he say to him? Look at what he says to him in verse 16 when he threw him in the lion's den. May your God, whom you serve continually. Do you see that? Whom you serve continually. Darius knew that about his faith. Whom you serve continually deliver you. May God deliver you. And they sealed the lion's den with a giant stone. And the king couldn't sleep all night long. Couldn't sleep a little, a a bit. The king knew that it was because of Daniel's faith that put him in that situation. The king knew what Daniel's faith was like. And that makes us ask the question about ourselves. Do people know what our faith is like? Do they know where we stand? Do they think of us 
like King Darius thought of Daniel? Is that who we are on our jobs, on our teams, with our friends, on our dates, in our community, in our homes? Are we the kind of people that have that kind of faith that Daniel had? Or do we need to take a look at our faith? What do others know about you when your faith is put to the test, when your faith is challenged, when you're pressured to back down, to ease up, to lay low in your faith? Do you stand the test or do you keep your trust totally in God? That's what we see in Daniel. He didn't back down in his trust in God. and he, No matter what happened, he didn't know what was going to happen. But he knew my trust is in God no matter what happens. So what do we see in verses 19 through 23? Early the next morning, King Darius, he wakes up and he runs to the den of lions. And he has the stone rolled away from the opening. And he calls out to Daniel to see if he's still alive. And the lions he finds had not touched him at all. He was totally safe. Look at verse number 23. Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Do you see that? Because he had trusted in his God. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, see, Daniel wasn't in that story. We don't know why. He might have been away on business is probably what it was. But he wasn't in that situation. This is his Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego situation. And just like them, he did the same thing. His trust was totally in God. No matter what happened, remember they said, Oh, king, you know, God will deliver us. But if he doesn't, he's still God. He's still our God, no matter what you do to us. He was, they were like MC Hammer. They said, you can't touch this. And Daniel was the same way. He said, you can't touch this. No matter what you do, throw me in a den of lions. And they might eat me up or they might not, but my trust is in God. I won't bow down and I won't change my faith. Uh, Daniel understood that there are times in life when we uh, need and must as Christians to practice civil disobedience. That we need to do as Peter taught in Acts 5.29 when they practiced that. We must obey God rather than man. That's the way Christians stand. When, when culture says you must do this or you can't do this and that violates our faith, then we must disobey And that's why this story, one reason this story is there for us. Next, we see that Daniel's faith in God wasn't crisis-oriented. It wasn't crisis-oriented. His faith was something that he did daily. He walked with God every day. Three times a day, at least, he prayed on his knees looking towards Jerusalem. His faith was something he did continually. It's who he was. It was his identity. And so when the temptation came, when the pressure came, when the challenge came, his trust was in God. The decision was made. So he wasn't wondering, well, what do I do? Oh no, what should I do? The decision was made a long time ago. His trust was in God and that's what he did. That's who he worshipped. That's who he served. That's who he walked with. 
And that's who he was going to obey. No matter what you did, no matter what the world said, no matter how things changed, no matter what everybody else said was right or okay, Daniel said, hey, I follow God. It's that simple. And when we make up our minds now to trust in God and follow Him and worship Him and serve Him, then when that time comes, and guess what? They're coming and more will come, then our minds are made up and our trust is in God. And the issue is settled. It's no longer a decision we have to make because we made the decision back here, didn't we? To walk with God. And so those of you graduating this year and those of you even graduating in the coming years, you're going to go off to college. You're going to go off to the next phase, whatever that might be for you. And you're going to go to a place possibly where they don't believe in God at all, where they are, they are very much against God and Christianity. Or you might also find some who believe in God, but their beliefs do not follow Scripture. And whatever your situation might be, you've got to decide, in whom do I trust? Do I trust in God and His Word, what I know to be true? Or do I trust in what somebody else says, what somebody else has come up with, their philosophies, their beliefs, their ways? Who am I going to trust? You see, for the person devoted to God, the world will always lose out to God when it comes to worship and loyalty and obedience. Always. The world will always lose. Culture will always lose. You see, Daniel didn't know what was going to happen when he got thrown into that lion's den, didn't he? He had no idea what was going to happen. Can you imagine standing up there and you see the lions and you hear them? And they push you in. If you've ever jumped off something, if you've ever bungee jumped or something like that, you can uh, jumped off a high dive. And what do you do that first time you got on that high dive? You stand there for an hour, don't you? And it's water. There's no lines. There's no gators. You ain't in Louisiana, Michael, when you're jumping off that high dive. I don't know, maybe you got a high dive there. And the, but there's, it's nothing but water. And it's clear. And we stand there for an hour, shivering, scared. And yet, they put Daniel above the lion's den. And even though his faith was in God, you see the lions. And you know what lions, hungry lions are going to do. And they push him. And he falls and lands on the ground. What do you think he's thinking all the way down? He's not thinking, did I turn off the roast? He's not thinking, did I lock the door? That's not what he's thinking. He's going, ah, <laughs> all the way down. And then he lands. And he has no idea if those lines aren't going to be all over him, ripping him apart or not. And yet he lands and it's peaceful. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what that even did for his great faith in God? 
Daniel's faith wasn't crisis-oriented. And so in reading these stories in the Bible, though, we need to be careful, we need to be cautious to understand that these stories aren't there to tell us that if you just do this, then God will do this. If you have faith, God will give you whatever you ask. And if you just work hard and believe in God, He will make you a success and you'll never come to any harm or challenge or danger or problems. That's not what the story is there for. The story is there to tell us God is with you at all times. God is with His people. When they're thrown in the pit of lions, when they're thrown in the fire, when, they're, when they go through tragedy, when they go through the storms, when they don't know how it's going to work out, when they're pressured to cave in and bow down, God is with His people when they trust in Him. And Daniel knew, I might be eaten up, or God might make me float, or something. I don't know. But he knew no matter what happened, God was with me. And I trust God. Even though he saw lions ready to eat him up, he said, I trust God. That's faith. And that's total trust in God. God wants his people and is with his people even when we're willing to suffer death rather than betray our allegiance to him. And that call to faithfulness demands that we say no to some things. And it demands that we say a bold yes to other things. And through it all, we trust that God is with us and one day will take us to be with him in heaven. And graduates, that's what we want for you. We want you to be in heaven. We want you to live a life of devoted trust to God. And finally, I want to point out that God protected his faithful servant when he was put in that lion's den. And the Bible says they rolled a stone over the top of that lion's den, didn't they? Look at this next picture. I want you to see this comparison. They rolled that stone, and the next morning, early the next morning, the king ran to the tomb. That was supposed to be Daniel's tomb. And he had the stone rolled away. And what did they do? They lifted up Daniel out of that tomb. That's just like, similar to, a foreshadowing to, what God did for us with Jesus that we, through our sin, put Jesus in that tomb. We said, go to the tomb. We put him on the cross. And God willingly let him go for our salvation. And, he, and the women ran to the tomb the next morning. And the stone was rolled away by the power of God. And Jesus had risen by the power of God out of that tomb, unharmed, in a body. He was in perfect condition. He was fine. He had been raised to life by the power of God. Why? For our salvation, for those who totally trust in God's power to save. And that's what we want for all of you who are graduating, soon to graduate this whole church and this community. We want you to put your total trust in God who gave his son for our salvation. If we can serve you this morning, if you haven't done that yet, you need to walk with God this morning. You need to make that something that uh, uh, you do this morning. 
Put your faith in God and start walking with Jesus by putting on Christ in baptism this morning. Don't wait. Do that before time continues. And if you haven't been walking with God and your trust has wavered, we encourage you, put your trust in God. Let us pray for you and put your trust back in God. If we can serve you this morning, come forward as we stand and sing.